HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin wins more national and international cheese awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello and welcome to a remote episode of Cutting the Curd. I'm on a park bench with my friend Jordan Edwards in San Francisco. How are you, Jordan? Uh, doing quite well. Super happy to have you on here. Uh, this is Fancy Food Show and CMI Weekend. Uh, CMI is amazing for the 10 people that listen to this podcast that don't know what that is. Uh, it's this amazing international like competition uh, that our friend Adam Moskowitz created. It's you know, now a bi-coastal thing. Um, want to say congrats to the winner um rory rory yeah Yeah. uh crushed it like it was really fun to watch awesome his his food service stuff was the next level you can tell he put in prep and work which i think is like the base of this industry is like prep and work so it's like that's all we want to see is like thought and prep (laughs) oh it's prep Totally. Uh, when I go to the CMI, I, I'm always just amazed because I'm so old now and I, and I didn't have all uh, my peers. I didn't have an event like that when I was coming up. I still work at the counter every day, yeah. but uh, my friends are all either 15 years older than me or 15 years younger than me. So you guys should be super happy and thankful that you have each other in that event. Uh, I mean, I'm super grateful for it. Uh, as far as like the culture of mongering goes, I think it's a great thing to keep cultures uh changing and you don't get foged that way good cheese reference there for you if you're doing cmi you should look that one up um it's just it's like a a a dome of people that you don't get to be in a room with ever and they're all doing the same thing you do daily in a different part of the country and it's like getting to see how many different options you have of like how you wrap french fold versus not like it's diaper wrap versus a bedford wrap which is like a mind-blowing east coast versus west coast versus midwest thing that's fun to track the lineage of um and it's first-hand knowledge from the people that make the cheese that, like, you nerd out about every day on your counter. So that's uh, one of a kind. Like, I don't know where that happened before, and if it ever did. 
Well, it definitely didn't in this country, and uh, you won the contest, so congratulations. And you persevered. You had, you had entered a number of times. you feel uh, you got better every time that you entered? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they give you this packet at the end of it. If you're sober enough and smart enough, you take that packet home and you read it, and it's, like, really critical, but it's because they've had, like, five minutes to give you notes, and they want you to improve. And if you take their notes to heart and don't get, like, bummed out that, like, they didn't like something that you thought was really perfect... Because it is kind of subjective, but at the same time, every it's a room full of people that you can trust their opinion. Um, and the first year was a was a hot mess. Uh, I get told that every time by James Entry. He was like, "You were a nightmare, kid." Uh, I'm glad to see you put in the work, and I'm <laughs> glad people noticed. Uh, second year, I managed to get on stage and then epically crumble. It was great. And then uh, last summer, uh, 2017. Uh, like stars aligned, I threw some pennies in a river, cracked some coconuts. It was really helpful. <laughs> Thank you to the Santeria stand and Estes Market and Saxelby's. That was like a good, relaxing way to go into it. I was like, I don't know, visit shops when you travel. Like, Coming to New York City to relax, you know, is yeah. uh, not something I hear often. <laughs> My life is just constant stress. Yeah. I've been traveling all over the place myself. That's really incredible that, that you're able to, to notice the levels. Not not incredible because people don't. It's just great to hear it uh, articulated and uh, to watch yourself grow in a, in a way where, like you said, there's subjective, some subjective parts to your job anyway. You know, how customers interpret your service, yeah. how you deal with them, how you wrap things, how you fold things. In comparison to the other places and their preferences, that's all subjective shit. Yeah. None of that matters really, right? The end, the fundamentals and the real deeper meaning of what you do. At least for me, that's always yeah. what kept me going, especially through like 15-hour days. I think, I think the thing about CMI is because it is such a marathon of like, it's all parts of cheesemongering in an extreme pressure cooker version. I mean, those food service rounds get tougher every year. The technical test, uh, I took the CCP and it's a hard test, but it's do very doable. There's never been a perfect score on the CMI test and it's never gonna happen. I'm convinced I've seen very smart people look ghost white after taking that test because it shakes you. Um, but then also it's like your person, it's a chance to shine with like, you know, some people are like, I wrap cheese better than everyone else and it shows like if you come in and crush that round like people cheer their loudest for getting a perfect quarter pound cut that's a silly thing to cheer for but it's not I don't know it's really cool see I think that's the most important I, I in my time watching the CMI and then I would I could not compete in that they would have to be holding a member of my family hostage <laughs> and it depends on which family member that was I still might not and compete. That's how much anxiety like that it gives me. Yeah. But I think it's so so impressive that you guys are able to do that, and you gals are able to do that. And I'm super proud of the people that, that worked with me that that got to go and compete, and they take it seriously, really seriously. Yeah. Uh, we we entered Eric Shack this year, and he he was so into it. He did great. He's, yeah, he's you know? second. Like yeah, really good. Um, I'm really. He's another person that like seeing his arch as like a person who competed side by side with him on a stage and then see getting to like judge him uh i got to judge this year and it's like it's such a cool two sides of the same coin um and his arch has been amazing and like i couldn't be prouder for him uh it's like shack attack like, <laughs> fuck, yeah like really great to see it's good that you have uh one of the things and one of the reasons why i wanted to talk to you and uh, you talked to me about it a little before is that uh, this is a show and I'm a cheesemonger that's what I am no matter where I where I am that's what I am uh, it's all I've ever been it's probably all I'll ever be and that's a great thing it's probably the best thing I can say about myself 
but we interview a lot of different kind of people on Cutting the Curd, and uh, sometimes we interview a lot of cheesemakers. We go through places where we interview uh, technical people and you know people who who work in and all around our world. But um, I haven't talked to a cheesemonger in a minute, and. Uh, what do you think? What do you think, man? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you foresee yourself, and this is a corny question, but I don't care, I'm gonna ask you anyway, like, do you foresee yourself doing this always? And if, if you do, why? What keeps you in it? Uh, if I can figure out a way to participate in this capitalist system and raise a kid and be a cheesemonger my whole life, I would be a dream come true. Um, I don't see myself ever leaving unless I'm like forced to by other life circumstances, because um, it's a job that's connected to people. It connects you to people that do your job, but also the farm, the person milking cows, the people making cheese. You, I, after a couple of years of this, you start looking at your case differently and you start seeing faces and not wheels. And that moment is like, uh, just real, like I can, it gives me, I have goosebumps, like literal ones. It like makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck still. Every time I look at that case, it's like, oh, that's, you know, Chris Raleigh. Oh, that's like, did, Andy Hatch, like, and then having a frame of reference, like, uh, Gutensburg, uh, is one of my favorite Alpine cheeses, and supported by Columbia, and I ate dinner with Rito Gutensburg, and, like, watched the man from, try to use chopsticks for the first time in his life. Like, I will remember that forever, like, inverted Swiss cheesemakers using chopsticks. Like, that's life-changing. Like, it's, it's, it's wild. It's a wild industry where you, I don't think you see that kind of first-person connection in a lot of trades. Like, uh, a union carpenter, which is a trade, doesn't know where that fucking two by four came from. It's a two by four. And I have a two by four that is a person and special and living, and there's a science behind it and a history. And it like, it spans a world that never ends. It's like, the, it, it is a universe. Cheese is a universe and it hasn't ever gotten boring. Every job I've had is like, I've fizzled out short attention span. Being a line cook, you can only make the same menu so many times. Sauteing something is sauteing something. Every day in the cheese shop is different, and that's why I love it. Okay. That's great, but it is a job. It's yeah. a beautiful oh. dream. That's awesome. It's just an awesome way to live. Yeah. Everything you do, you, you make. If you're of a certain mindset, and when you get into it, I think after you've done it for a while and you've handled the cheese, that's the best part about being a cheesemonger. That's what these people they get paid more. They do other things, but you get to, to eat and handle all of the cheese. You're the one. I mean, you're the one who touches it most of anyone including the maker as soon as it leaves them you know yeah, you handle it you give it to the customers and uh, so when you talk about the cmi and you said you, you know it's, it's foolish to uh to cheer you're, you're joking for someone to make a quarter pound cut or a half pound cut see for me that's what i watch most when i watch the cmi it's the most exhilarating round well i just think that <laughs> the so people good. who have the technical skills to handle the product yeah. those are the people who are the ones who will stick around the longest. I don't know if that makes sense. No, absolutely, you have to have the foundation. Like if you can't uniformly slice cheese into a serving, you need to go cut a bunch of root vegetables until you can, because cheese is an expensive product with hours of work behind it, and you need to, You there's no bullshit, you have to respect it. It's like a very, it's worthy of your respect. Uh, every cheese under the sun has a place in my heart. Uh, I've like, I eat more brick cheese than probably anyone outside, <laughs> outside of Wisconsin. Um, like it's all good and all deserves care and respect. And like, we're the first line, like we're, we're combat medics and like special forces all at one. It's kind of rad. Today's program was brought to you by Wisconsin cheese. What do you think of when you hear Wisconsin cheese? For me, 
I think cheese curds, delicious, fresh and squeaky cheese curds, or deep fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally anyway, anytime, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese, the farmstead cheese company behind Pleasant Ridge Reserve. I think of delicious, stinky Limburger and its long storied history. I think of Dunbarton Blue, made by master cheesemaker Chris Raleigh. I think of Ross Grand Cru Sirchois, which was named 2016's World Championship Cheese, and Satori's Black Pepper Bella Vitano, the 2017 U.S. Championship Cheese. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, with lush grasslands and a glacial water supply that produce the very best milk. Fourth-generation cheesemakers combine old-world tradition with new ideas and the highest standards to make innovative cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. When I when I talked to you initially, at, you listened to the podcast, which is awesome. Thank you. <laughs> we we talked with uh, with our friend Jason Hines about uh, the tasks versus work of cheesemongery, and you, you you said that you liked that episode and you and you listened to it. Yeah. And that's what uh, one one of the main reasons I really wanted to talk to you because did that help you or do do you see it that way as well tasks versus work how we laid it out that way yeah i mean i I think it's a great foundation for it and like um i don't know i think if you're ever going to take some advice about how to handle work and tasks like jason hines is a a (laughs) pretty good good resource um like about many things um but yeah i mean it's like it's it is work but at the same time it's like it's rewarding if you put your heart into it. You get, it's a, it's one of those things that you get what you put, you get back what you put in, um, pretty evenly. There's not a great like, ta- it doesn't take your soul. It helps your soul, uh, personally. I mean, those shirts that end tote bags, like the cheese. Last night, cheesemonger saved my life. First time I saw, it, I was like, eh, I guess. And now it's like, yeah, being a cheesemonger like totally is like the reason I'm not like a complete degenerate. It like made me want to be together because you have to be together and centered you can't be like flying off the rails because there's too much detail uh, like that's the base the detail and foundation i don't know well if being balanced and centered is a good cheesemonger trade i have no la- idea how i've lasted as long as i can i have because i've been all over the place but what brings me back to do the job to get out there on the front lines put out my sanitizer every day, lay out my clean towels, make sure all my knives are... Bleach logs. Yeah, things yeah. like that is uh, is because that's that's what keeps me from going completely out of my mind. Yeah, it's... I mean, like, the, I, I do definitely love the sense of setting up your station in the morning, like, and knowing that those towels are there. Like, you can't count on a lot in life, but if you fold those towels and put them there, they're gonna be there if you folded enough of them. Hopefully you thought about that when you folded them. And like, I know, I love those little, like, the routine and the kind of, like, um, monastic, like, it's very monkish in the best way. Um, As a man of the tribe, I'm sure monkish is not, like, the actual term for that. But uh, when I I read Cheese and Culture as, like, um, one of the first managers to ever give me the time of day gave me a copy of Cheese and Culture, and it changed my life. Uh, His name's Matt Whalen. He was, like, the best thing that ever happened to me. Um... That book, and there's a whole part about Benedictine monks that just made me really want to, like, dedicate myself to something fully, like, vow poverty, like, whatever. And, like, if you're good at it, that vow hopefully gets a little less tough (laughs) for people, Um, especially if you want to make a career out of this. It's like, at the end of the day, it is a business and it is work. But, like, 
it gives a lot back. Like it really does. Do you now? Because you've you've passed through, you've evaluated yourself, you've put yourself out there against other people who do what you do, and you and you triumph. You you did you got to that spot. Do you give that back to the mongers? Do you train people to be like you? Um, I, I hope I hope I can. Like I mean, I have a couple people that I'm really proud of um, that I've got to work with over the years that I've seen grow. Um, I mean, uh, at CMI, like Alex Armstrong at from Mission Cheese. Uh, we worked together for a couple years, and that was like, we have this like really great like uh, co-mentorship. We mentor each other. Like those relationships are really special. And uh, I mean, there was four people that at CMI that I had spent years with, day to day, doing those tasks and like seeing them shine and getting to sh- like flex. You're flexing your muscles that you've like built up, and it's not like. I'm not a muscular guy. It's not a muscle you see on your body. But, like, I was able to, like, the 80s Arnold Schwarzenegger without the misogyny, like, flex. It was so good. And it felt so good. Like, I don't know. Like, if it's the coolest. Yeah. And, like, watching people grow and, like, hopefully helping them learn how to do those, like, repetitions and, like, how, like, uh, I don't know. I don't go to a gym. But, like, where they, like, help you lift weights so they don't crush you. Yeah, the if, spotters. The spotter. If you can be someone's spotter. And you can make them better at just like that one thing and coach them or give them that tidbit that like makes that step and that repetition of their foundation less like uh, sore and like an easy thing to repeat. You've changed the world in my book. I don't know. Like, no, it's true. I just asked you about that because in the end, what I what I figured out for myself and maybe it's true for you is all that we have as a cheesemongers. Like so, that's what I am all the time, first and last. And. I, and and I can prove that, you know. And so, I all I all you realize is that what you have is each other. So if you don't create more of you, if you don't give so much back to all of those people who want to be where you're at, then you're just fucked up. You're not doing the right thing. Um, I really feel like I went through a stage of precociousness because of my environment, and I thought that my information was for me. To parse out to the people that I were were worthy of knowing what I know, yeah. and that was so stupid. That was so stupid of me. And uh, and when I see things like the CMI and those communities, and in the encouraging nature, uh, what it does for people, yeah. how it brings them together, that's just fantastic. And I, does it make you feel good to create more use? And do you understand how vital that is to I mean, the success of what we do? Uh, one of the things at CMI that you really see is this like lineage of cheese, because there's like these really iconoclast shops and people there. And then you look and you're looking and it's like, you see the people standing next to them that are their like colleagues. And it's like, oh, you came from this part of the room. You guys all know each other because you all were in the trenches at some point. And it's like, you know, cream rises to the top, but like they're also grabbing people up with them. It's an industry that, like, uh, sharing knowledge, I think, is so important. And I feel like we're in a, at culturally, cheesemongers are in a place where, like, we want to share. And I think the internet's helped a lot with that. Um, Cheese Science Toolkit, like, Pat Pikowski, all these resources that even, like, six years ago weren't there. And, like, even just being able to point someone in that to a URL is, like, life-changing. Versus, Do like, you send them there? Oh, Absolutely. If you, your first week, if you don't hear, like, by the way, the Cowgirl website, by the way, the Murray's website, you can search cheeses there, and they'll give you accurate information about rennet. Like, you want to know if something's vegetarian rennet, and the sign is missing it, or you can't find the, the whole uh, cheese label, the Cowgirl website, Murray's website, uh, cheese science toolkit for, like, some foundation science, like, 
man, there's like so many great resources. Like also like following other mongers, seeing how they plate, seeing how they curate their shop. Like I love seeing the regional differences there. Um, there's like, it's hard to talk. It's talking about a visual thing on the radio, but, um, how you wrap cheese with Saran, uh, New Yorkers do it in the air because retail spaces are fucking tiny. God damn. There's no room there. No room. No room. I'm from the Midwest. Retail spaces are a little bigger. I have a big stove sewn counter. I put a square down and it's a East coast. People really love saying this term diaper wrapping, which is, it makes me feel dumb because now I'm a diaper wrapper. Um, I don't know what other generations of mongers call it. Cause there's definitely some like generations now. Um, to me, that's the Bedford rap doing it in the air. Cause like the people I know who did that all spent time at Bedford. Well, that the, the initial shop when we opened the initial yeah. the first, first store was in a closet. And there was no space. And I don't know. I think that's really interesting for myself. I don't know what I've. I never had anyone to learn. Like I didn't. No one showed me what to do. Yeah. So I learned. I wrapped my own way, and I wrapped cheese my own way. And so the mongers that work with me at Italy are like, I don't know what the fuck you're doing, but I'm not doing it that way. You know? I'm like, sure, no problem. Yeah. This is the only way I know how to do it. Man, I didn't. I didn't see a French fold until 2015. You know, like I didn't know what that was. I had to have Mark for. Mark from Formaticum tell me what a pleat was to like, he was like, sure. and like I made him do it like 10 times. And like, I don't think I fold very many other ways now because it's so efficient. Well, yeah, I learned that when I worked in Paris at a caviar shop yeah. and they fucking yelled at me until I could do it. And now I refuse <laughs> to do it because I hated those people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I'm that way with a, like, a, the first chef who showed me how to dice an onion, I won't do it his way because I thought he was like a, a douchebag, Napoleonic asshole, and yeah. he probably was. No, totally, totally. <laughs> yeah, that's that's um, the idea. Yeah, I, as soon as I found a chef that I liked that showed me how to dice an onion a different way, I never went back. But uh, and that's funny. They, it's funny. I mean, I've had some hard mentors, and I've had some some soft. I I feel like you need a little bit of both, Absolutely. and I'm sure th those ballbusters, those old school guys, as long as they. Uh, it, the, the, the misogyny is super tough, and yeah. that's not my way, obviously. And and I also never had to deal with it because I'm because I'm a man. And but I mean, I didn't mind the boot camp mentality. I didn't mind people yelling at me because it made me hard, and uh, it also taught me what I didn't want to do. Also, like uh, again, yeah, like as a, <laughs> a large white male, I don't have a lot of the negative conversation of the, the old school kitchen. No, I'm afraid of you. <laughs> uh, I didn't have. I mean, like. I'm stubborn and thick-headed, so like the people that I learned the quickest from are definitely like the ball-busting, like I'm gonna throw your badly chopped prep at you to a certain extent. But like, it's also can be like, that doesn't work for everybody. Like there's some people that if you do that, they shut down and you've just like also made them now hate this thing that they could love. So I think in cheese, like one of the things I noticed right away with training is like, there is a, a certain amount of like, like if you belly split a cheese like comte in front of me, like. I will roast you like lamb at a Greek Greek Easter. Like you're in so much trouble. But like, I then am gonna like tell you why in an appropriate like way with a good metaphor that hopefully you never forget. And if you do it twice, I don't know what to do. I've never had to do it twice. Thank thank God. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I mean, you you have to gauge the person. And uh, training's really hard because like. Uh, especially like I work for a multiple location place with a fair amount of employees from lots of different backgrounds and that's one of the things I like about cheesemongers is like there's people with doctorates that sell cheese I have a GED and I'm doing the same thing and 
we're on the same level. Yeah, or they work for you. Yeah, we're like, I, yeah. I that feels not. good. <laughs> and like a, yeah, it does kind of feel good um, without getting egomaniacal. I didn't do Luca when I was a kid. I had like, I was a manager and I had like three Harvard graduates working for me and I loved to fucking boss those kids around. It made me feel good. I'm not going to lie. It was good. It was good because it was a great equalizer. Yeah. In, that, in that environment, I was the one in charge. And, I, and, and it taught me a lot about myself, not in an arrogant way, yeah. but it just, it just evened everything out. For me, and when I was that age, when when I looked at people in a different way, and I did it through the cheese counter because that's where I grew up, is behind the cheese counter. I, I just saw them all in a different way, and it made it easier for me to work with a lot of different kinds of people because yeah. of the disparate nature of <laughs> cheesemongers' backgrounds. Um, I, my favorite thing for like the PhD kids is like if you haven't, if you don't have any food service background, is like you have to learn how to sweep floors. It's something exactly. I've noticed. The higher your education, if you went straight through education, the more you're just pushing a pile of dirt and spreading it, not collecting it. Amazing. Um, it's one of my favorite things to like, if it was a social experiment, I think it would be someone to do well, it. Well, efficiency <laughs> is a need-based item. You yeah. know, it's, it's a thing you do because you're working against the clock. Those people, they own the clock, so <laughs> they don't have to be like us. Yeah. Or like they're striving to own it and realize that like, that clock is a wheel that can crush you as well. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Which is why, like, I like the, those, and I also think those people bring a lot to shops. Like, the every person that has an art history degree that's a cheesemonger can tell you a really cool fact about like old European cheeses that I love learning about. Like, I don't necessarily connect things to certain periods of time the same way, and that's cheeses made me interested in history in a way that like a teacher never was able to, and it's like that connection is really cool and I think the, those PhD doctorate people are needed to like you need me because I can show you how to do set up a, a three compartment sink and stack dishes in a way yeah. that won't be in your way during service until you get a second to wash them you need them because they can tell you about like uh, Napoleon and like well they can entertain you while that. you're setting up the sanitizer at the yeah, right why, they, why they lean and stir their, their tea with uh, wildflower honey well, we, we talked <laughs> so so much we tea. talked right through the break we had no break in this yeah. show um, which is fine they can figure that out later because <laughs> I really really enjoy talking to you yeah. I I just want to ask you one more question because uh, and it's just, just a, a closer you know what would you tell a person that wanted to be a cheesemonger to do what you do, what would you tell them is the one thing that they can't forget when the times get tough to help you push through? Man, uh, look in the eyes of a customer when you give them a sample of cheese that makes them go, whoa. Like, I feel like every monger has like an epiphany cheese story, but my favorite thing is to share that with a person that like only buys brie. Like, brie is delicious, but like, there's a whole world out there that and that if you can get that light switch in their brain to flick that little twinkle in their eyes and like that sense memory that they're having is really fun to vicariously live through and then also like at the end of the day i can duck down behind a cooler and i can eat something like a little take sample of something that i never would have ever experienced if i didn't work in food like i wouldn't have been buying 36 dollar pound cheese i do now because i know it's like this is an amazing thing. Someone had to flip that switch, though. And, like, I don't know. Look for those moments. Take the little successes. When you cut that quarter pound, pat yourself on the fucking back. Uh, like, I don't know. That. Find, find the thing that is rewarding to you and then relish in it. Awesome. 
That's, That's a good place to stop, Jordan. Uh, so lucky to talk to you. So awesome. Great this to know really you. Fun. Thank you for having me. Stay tuned for more Cutting the Curd. Later. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.